0: So you're impossibly talented. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, Bond villain, uh, classic dramas. Um, But I want I want to sort of start off with your question about the uh, the origins of it all. Um, I watched a lovely program the other night, uh, one last night, about Liverpool Everyman, um, which was this sort of hotbed of talent in the northwest. Uh, And if you go to the Liverpool Everyman now, there is this famous photograph of Bill Nighy, Matthew Kelly. Um, Julie, Walters, Julie Walters, Pete
1: Postlethwaite, Kate Fahy,
0: and the only reason you're not in it is because
1: I took the photograph.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, so the Liverpool Everyman. Can I ask about that?
1: Well, that was my um, uh, first job as an actor in 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't my first experience of the, the building. So I used to, um, I used to hitchhike over from North Wales to Liverpool to go to the lunchtime sessions at the Cavern uh, when I was uh, 16, 17. And um, then I progressed to going uh, at the night time. Um, <laughs> and uh, we go to the Cavern, uh, the Iron Door, and the, uh, a, a venue called Hope Hall, which was in the basement of the building that was to become the Everyman Theatre. Um, yeah, so uh, my association with the Everyman goes back to... Oh my god fifty, fifty-two 52 years yeah
0: and you directed there as well
1: i i started there as an actor uh worked there for nearly two years then went to nottingham uh to do a series of plays and then the uh the resident company in liverpool were leaving to go to london to do uh, what was known as the beatles show john paul george ringo and Bert. um willie russell play and the director, Alan Dosser, wanted a sabbatical, so they needed a caretaker director to go in there till Alan came back. So um, with all you know, the bravado of someone who'd just left drama school two and a half years previously, I uh, applied for the job, and I got it. And it meant I had to form a company and choose the season of plays. And that was my company. Um, uh, I gave uh, Julie Walters her first. Job, and I think Bill Nye's second job, and uh, Matthew Kelly, Pete Um it, w- it was quite a time, quite a company. This crucible of talent,
0: and uh, yeah. you say bravado leaving drama school, but uh, and I mentioned this to you before. When, when I sort of think of you and your career, there is theatre and Broadway and musicals and. Every Shakespearean, major Shakespearean role, and then from film, independent film, to huge epics. Um, and also, Glengarry, Glen Ross is a, you know, can there be a more American film with an American cast where David Mamet, uh, you know, writes uh, Glengarry, Glenn Ross and it stars Jack Lemmon, Al Pacino, Ed Harris, Alan Arkin, Kevin Spacey, and Jonathan Price. And it f- Fits you like a glove, and just from watching your work there, I, it's, you say bravado, but it's this sort of, it's talent, it's truth, but it's also a confidence in ability as well. Um, does that come from the theatre? Does it come from dance? It definitely or comes does it come from, the from
1: theatre, but it also comes from uh, being, you know, the class clown when I was at school, right. um, always getting into trouble. Um, and I was getting into trouble with my sister, because when she'd have friends around, I'd be the little brother who'd be sticking his nose in and doing impersonations and making her friends laugh and stopping her gossiping with them. Um, yeah, so it goes way back to, I think, being, being a bit of a show-off. Um, and uh, Can you mention your first performance in North Wales? Uh, you can, yeah, because I, I just... Um, because you're going to be working in Rill. Yeah. Rill was a... I'm from Hollywell, and uh, Rill was a big day out for me, uh, (laughs) like 10 miles down the road. (laughs) Um, But my Auntie May had come from the northeast with her family, uh, my mother's sister, and we all went out for a day out uh, on Rill Beach. And... um, I got a bit bored and wandered away from my auntie and her, her children and um, was on the seafront at Rill, and I noticed there were lots of deck chairs uh, spread out, people sitting there, a little stage set up in the open air. And so I, I sat down to watch what I thought was a show, and the, the said, uh started getting boys and girls up from the, uh, from the deck chairs. So I thought, we'll go and play games, so I got up there. He got us to stand in a line. And um, he started at the far end of the line. And with the first person he said, And what are you going to do for us today? And I said, Well, I'm going to sing a song. And another one, I'm going to sing a poem. And I thought, Oh my God. And I was in a talent competition, and I didn't know it. So by the time he got to me, he said, and I, he said, What are you going to do? And I said, Well, I'll, I'll sing a song. So I sang um, Lonnie Donegan's My Old Man's a Dustman. And, uh, and I won. <laughs> and I went, but that it was just the heat. There was to be a final on the Saturday. Um, and uh, I ran back along the beach and told my Auntie May, and she said, oh, John, oh, fantastic. And of course, we'll come back on the Saturday. And I had dreams of, you know, X Factor and <laughs> big, uh, big prize money. And um, I sang the same song, and I won. And... Um, the prize, I thought, money, you know, five pounds would have been a lot of money in those days. And anyway, it was six packets of Ovaltine biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> and we all had to sing, we are the Ovaltinis, little girls and boys. <laughs> um, which wasn't great for me, because my dad owned a grocery shop and we had all the biscuits we wanted. But um, cut to, about four. well, there's two things happened. One, I, um, we then went to Scarborough with my auntie, and there was a big theatre there, and there was a signed talent competition, and she pushed me into entering this talent competition. I didn't want to do it, um, because now I knew what was going to happen, and it was... uh, Anyway, I'm singing my old man's endorsement, big theatre, bigger than this, a lot more people than this, oh... (laughs) I've played to crowds. And uh, I forgot the words. I was so nervous, I forgot the words, and everything ground to a halt, and the compere came to me and he said, What's the matter, little boy? Did you get a shot from the microphone? I said, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, and all the audience went, Oh. And I remember leaving the stage and then leaving the theatre and everybody making his big fuss of this little boy at an electric shock. And I thought that was my first um, first sense of, uh, of what, what theatre was like, of creating this kind of crisis and getting everyone's sympathy and focus. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing that came from that was 20, 30-odd more years later, I'm doing Desert Island Discs, and Sue Lawley was the host, and she said she'd been doing the research on me, and she'd uh, seen this story about my entering this talent competition when I was 10 in Rill. And she said, I'm a, I'm a year older than you. And when I was 11, I entered a talent competition in Rill. And the little boy who won it sang, My Old Man's a Dust. Isn't that good? Anyway, it. there you go.
0: So, yeah, Rill. I love that story, Rill. See, Rill's got a, Rill was the future growing up in North Wales. So it was big time. The um, and f- film, I mean, I've got to ask first, I've got to jump to Brazil. Yeah. One of my favourite films, incredible performance. Um, watching that clip there, you know, it's got to have influenced Ardman and Wallace and Gromith and all those contraptions happening in the, the house, you know, because this is 1985, and I know you've got Terry Gilliams, you've got the Python influence sort of there, yeah. but what, what drew you to that... Or was it the script? Was it Terry Gilliam? Was because it was well, way I, ahead of its time. It's an see, amazing. I'd
1: like to, you see. You use the expression. What drew me to it? Um, but to be honest with you, um, uh, I, I do what I'm asked to do. <laughs> if I get offered something, then I make the choice. Um, you, a lot of the times, as an actor, as you know, you don't have the luxury of saying, um, "That's I want to do this or that." It's you, you. You. We kind of wait until you're asked. A lot of the time. Unless you want to produce or direct or create your own projects. Um, but the, the, that uh, Brazil came not quite by default, but uh, um, Terry had offered me another film. He'd offered me Time Bandits to play the evil genius. And I, I wasn't attracted to the role, as it were. And I, I didn't know much about Terry then. Um, And I just uh, finished playing Hamlet uh, for I I don't know how many weeks it was at the Royal Court and I was absolutely broke with no (laughs) money. And I was offered another film at the same time, one that uh, you all have heard of, a film called Loophole. (laughs) (laughs) And um, (laughs) Loophole paid twice as much money as Time Bandits was going to pay. So <laughs> I'm afraid, um, being a pragmatist, I, uh, I chose Loophole. And that um, uh, absolutely disappeared. Except it was, it was starring... All I knew about it was it starred Albert Finney and Martin Sheen. At the time, two huge stars. The script was lousy. I met the director, <clears throat> didn't think much of him. Read the script again, still lousy, but Albert Finney and Martin Sheen were doing it. So I thought, there must be something in it I can't see. Yeah, clearly. So I did it, and uh, everyone was kind of dissatisfied. as We were making it. And I went into Martin Sheen's trailer, and he was sitting there with his head in his hands, and I said, Martin, why are you doing this Well, And he said, well, when I was a young man, I was an usher on Broadway, and Albert was playing uh, Martin Luther. And he was a hero of mine, so when this opportunity came to work with him, I took it. And then we went all down the cast. Why are you doing it? Well, I heard you were doing it. I heard you were doing it. (laughs) And it all traced back up to Albert, who was sitting there on a pot of money. (laughs) The reason he'd done it. Anyway, you you do things for all sorts of reasons. Good scripts, good directors... Uh, the kind of role that you haven't played before, which that will usually interest me. Mm-hmm. I'm not attracted to roles that uh, people um, often have, have written with me in mind, because they're, uh, you know it, that's their image of, of me from another role. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is, um, if the audience care, to surprise the audience and surprise me by doing something uh, Completely the opposite.
0: Yeah, the best writing leaves space for the actor, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So, sort of throughout this time, you've worked with a lot of great people within the film industry. What's it like? What's it like? <laughs> yeah, also like brushing shoulders with Robert De Niro. Or? Well, you should ask him then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I uh, uh, well, De Niro's um, a tricky one, really. Mm. Because he is a tricky man,
2: well, I wouldn't know. But yeah,
1: um, uh, Brazil. He was uncomfortable because, uh, opposite what I was just saying, that he he couldn't see himself as the hero, mm-hmm. and that's what um, Tuttle is in that film, and he's a, um, um, a sort of a eco warrior. Um, so it, it was difficult for him. Um, and uh, I think he had a bit of a hard time making Brazil. Uh, it's not just me saying Terry's recorded mm. it in his book, so I can say that. I'm not, uh, not ruining uh, De Niro's career for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he can take it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, it's there's a, a lot of the time, it's a great leveler, mm. uh, being what we do as actors. Um, and unless someone is a complete, a S S. I've been told not to swear tonight. It's really, <laughs> really difficult for, <laughs> <laughs> for someone who comes from Hollywood not to swear. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're, on the whole, actors are great to work with, and whatever status they are. Um, there are a few, I can't well, there are a few tricky ones. Um, I've brushed shoulders with uh, complete psychos. And um, some people who are the most wonderful people that you'd want to meet. And um, I like being with actors. I like actors. I like, especially in the theatre, yeah. it's what draws me to the theatre, being in a, a company of actors working together for a, a common aim. Um, it's a bit uh, fractured, I suppose, in remaking making films. You'll have that common aim, but it's, uh, you're not achieving it at the same time, as it were. You have to put a lot of trust in the director and the editor.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that a lot of my friends who've gone into acting have said. But like, if you could give them advice, you know, to their face, what would you say? Um, they're actors now. Yeah, you know, they're, they're um, you know, starting off in the theatre, but some of them have had roles in quite new, promising films. You know, one of my friends is going to be in The Danish Girl, which is yeah. coming out next yeah. year? Yeah. Think, what advice would well, you
1: it's, give? Well, it's... Um, I, I think my... Uh, well, it's hard but my, to say, but my way of doing it was when I started work, um, theatre was what I wanted to do, and theatre is what you did when you left drama school, yeah. because there were lots more theatres in the country, uh, lots more theatre companies, Um, It was still a very vital uh, art form, Uh, especially politically, it was very good. Um, So, when I started, theatre was what you did, television you did to pay for the (laughs) theatre, and films were what other people did. (laughs) I had no aspiration to being a film actor. Mm. It was was beyond me. And I'd had little skirmishes with the... I remember meeting my first um, uh, big uh, Hollywood producer when I was still at um, drama school. Um, They were casting Nicholas and Alexander. And I went to meet Sam Spiegel, who was Mm. the absolute epitome of the Hollywood uh, old time producer. He was quite chunky. A big cigar and a huge desk that you sat on the other side of. And uh, all I remember him saying to me was, uh, So, do you have any photographs? I said, Well, none taken professionally. Do you have any taken amateurishly? (laughs) (laughs) That was quite sweet. Anyway, I didn't get the part. <laughs>
0: yeah. But why? Why is that? Do you think it was because uh, the film industry in the UK was um, either was there, a was there limited opportunities? Yeah, it was or...
1: limited. Op- there there yeah. wasn't. Uh, there, there wasn't the industry that there came to be, mm. and certainly nothing like what there is now. Um, and uh, no, I was in Liverpool, and it seemed a long way. Long way from the film industry, but uh, I did. um, Of course, I did my first film in uh, not in '76, 76, Mm -hmm. '75, '76. Film called *Voyage of the Damned*, um, which was a Lou grade production, and that had a. It was a true story of a thousand Jews who'd been kind of let go from Germany before the war had started. And I played, they were already interning, interring Jews in camps. And I played a real person, Joseph Manasseh, who'd been released from a camp to be on this ship. They were saying, look, you can go, people are free to leave, the Jews are free to leave. And it was never allowed to land anywhere. They visited country after country after country. It ended up back in uh, Europe, in uh, Holland, I think it was, and, um, or Belgium. And uh, the, they were, the people who'd been in the camps were rounded up again, so my character died in the camp again. Yeah. But being a Lou grade production, it was, uh, it was a cavalcade of stars um, playing all kinds of Jewish roles, but Orson Welles was in it, and um, <laughs> Faye Dunaway, James Mason, um, Oscar Werner, um, Julie Harris, uh, Donald Houston, Welsh actor, um and uh, Malcolm McDowell, and every a day... a real bunch of
0: nobodies then. What? <laughs> a bunch of nobodies, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, and every we the first filming was in Barcelona, and every day. Uh, the medium stars and the lesser stars and the non-stars would get on the ship, and you'd be on. You'd set sail from Barcelona, and you would never know if, if you're going to be working. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big stars will be called, you know, when they uh, were needed. And I remember being in Barcelona. This is not a good story for young people. Nevertheless, I'm going to tell it. And we got drinking. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I used I used to drink. And uh, there was a particular cheap Spanish brandy called Fundador. <laughs> and uh, one night I drank quite a lot of Fundador, but knowing that I could go on the ship, go to my cabin, and, uh, and sleep it off, because I wouldn't be used. So, as always happens in these instances, I've just got my head on the pillow, knock comes on the door, Jonathan, we're going to do your scene. And it was my one big scene <laughs> on the boat. And it was with an American actor, Paul Koslow, who was very method, and he would walk the streets of Barcelona at night. He wouldn't. We were would all staying at the Ritz. He wouldn't use his room in the Ritz. Uh, he'd sleep on the, in the corridor outside. <laughs> and there was me <laughs> next morning, head pounding, and uh, I did the scene. And Stuart Rosenberg was the director. He directed Cool Hand Luke and wow. various oh, no. things. And now I can't swear, but he comes up to me after I finished my scene, and it, it, Paul, the, the American actor, is gone, wow, 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 and uh, Stuart Rosenberg puts his hand on my shoulder, he looks up, he says, you are some mother, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and my praise doesn't go any higher than that, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You had, you had your own method.
1: <laughs> Back to my cabin. <laughs> anyway, you can fool some of the people some of the time.
0: <laughs> but with, with, um, when you look at kind of the craft, at what point did you go... Because obviously you've mastered the craft of the theatre, and then you're in front of the camera, and it's a very different thing.
1: It is different, and it was, it was difficult. Um, hmm. I suppose um, it's why I like... You know, you always get asked, which do you prefer, film or stage? And normally I say, uh, as long as I can do both, I'm happy. But if I had to make a choice, I'd choose theatre. Because I don't like looking at myself. And theatre, I don't look at myself and it's... uh, I'm my own uh, editor when I'm here on stage. Um, I can be my own lighting designer, I'll find the light. Mm Um, and uh, I'm much more in control. Um, and when I started doing, te- I did two. My first, uh, I did two television films, one after the other, mm-hmm. with Stephen Freer's directing. And I was very nervous and very self-conscious. And they were both leading roles. And Stephen, before he thought he took on the role of being something of a teacher to me. And before every take, he would go, Jonathan, and he would say, make your face a a plain mask, so that uh, the audience can tell the story off your face. They can, you know, imagine whatever it is you're thinking. And um, I would obediently do this, and then I'd see rushes, or I'd see the finished product, product, and I'd feel, really dissatisfied with what I was doing, because I thought, I'm doing nothing. Mm. And I was making the mistake of, yes, I can make myself plain, but I wasn't putting any energy into what I was doing, uh, thinking less is more. And it wasn't until I did Brazil with Terry that uh, I began to enjoy filmmaking, because uh, with Terry, more is more. And but I could still do what I assumed is truthful film acting, but give it the energy that I would uh, have on stage. And also, he filmed, um, I think I, I told you I've got one, um, one close up on, on in Brazil on a 50 mil lens, the rest of the time, everything is mm-hmm. wide angle, and um. It was the, it's the nearest experience that, that I could put my theatre work onto film because, you know, you can be...
0: Well, you can see it's completely you, in your body. The performance expensive. is completely in your body. It's very yeah. truthful. You believe that you, he lives in that world and he's of that world. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
0: and that's true craft. But no, I, I, I know the
1: other thing is that you try to... Um, if you don't know better, you, uh, you try to accommodate the camera. You think you're acting for a camera... Right. So you you do everything that that you you know, even moving your face uh, in a way that you think the camera will Mm -hmm. will get it. But of course, the what is wonderful about filmmaking is that you let the camera find you. Um, You know, you do you play your scene truthfully with your your other person or or a piece of sticky tape on a (laughs) on a camera but um, that, that camera should find you and you don't accommodate the camera um, and of course you were in, in the old days you were also accommodating the sound man because uh, recording equipment wasn't as sensitive as is now so i mean that's why you get all uh, mumblecore acting is yeah. because people can get away with talking you'll be you'll be it's, yeah, it's, yeah. you'll be talking normally to another actor especially, <laughs> Thank uh, you anyway much. Thank you. We deaf people, we know. <laughs> um, you'll be talking normally, usually to an American actor, <laughs> and uh, normal conversation level, and action, and... Oh God, yeah, and you can't hear... I have had to go to the director and say, can you ask him, because I can't hear my cue. <laughs> and I did a film with... Uh, this isn't going to hurt his career, either. Um, uh, what's his name? Bruce... Um, Bruce, shaven head. Willis. Who? Willis. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I did a scene with him in G.I. Joe too, And <laughs> for months, I'd been getting rewrites, different colored pages, uh, sent to London to go in my script. Oh, it's really boring. And I was looking at and I thought, I'm not in these scenes. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not going to put them in anymore. They contractually, Bruce, on this film... Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say this, Edit afterwards. <laughs> but is, contractually, he can uh, write his own dialogue, especially for that film. So that's what he was doing, He was writing his own dialogue and stuff. And then uh, we came to shoot this scene that he'd written, and he didn't say anything <laughs> like what he'd written. In fact, he didn't say anything. <laughs> he would just, uh, as the president had injured my arm, and he had to say, well, Mr. President, uh, Take care of your arm, you know, and all that stuff. And he would go, uh, well, All right. So I responded, I went, Oh. I tell you, the look on Bruce Willis's face was like, Wait a minute, I do that. You can't do that.
0: So. They call it devoicing, don't they? They, yeah. they, they think that. Also, there's another little trick that just makes people listen to you a little bit harder. so yeah. It looks even more enigmatic on screen, because everyone in the room is going, What did they say? I can't, yeah. I can't hear you at all. But I think
1: it's the, the difficulty with, uh, for young actors who are starting in mm. film now is their role models are these people, and theatre is not their role model. And that yeah. theatre, you really have to communicate, not just to the audience, but to the other actor. And what happens with young actors, again, especially American and a lot of British ones who've never done theatre, it's not about talking Mm. to the other actor. And eventually, it'll it'll come out all right. But the most exciting films are when two you know moments are when two people do talk and communicate. I remember telling an actor once who was uh, it was regeneration, who was having trouble with the a scene and he couldn't. And I said, "Look, just talk to me. What? Just talk to me. Look, you know, I'm here." And he went, "Oh, wow, okay." And he did, and it was, it was wonderful, you know. But uh, again, a lot of the time, you're thinking instead of the truth of the situation, you're thinking about the effect you might be having.
0: Yes, and, which you know, yeah. you're
1: trying to create, and that's not good.
0: No, not at all. It's, it's, it's against an art form, isn't it? If you were trying mm. to impose something. You say regeneration, and I did something sneaky, because regeneration, behind enemy lines, is what it's called in America. Um, but uh, it was regeneration here. And I texted Gillis McKinnon, who directed that
1: movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, and well, this he... is
1: like, this is your life. I know, it's
0: good, isn't <laughs> it? I should have had a red phone. Mm. I, uh, and, uh... and he's here now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's... Madonna! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. She'll be here in a minute. she's just she at, at the <laughs> KFC. Keep in touch. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I said, working with Jonathan on regeneration was great privilege and an education. I consider him one of the most brilliant and versatile actors performing today, and I'm so pleased you were there tonight to celebrate his long and substantial career. He's the real thing.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Thank you.
0: And we've got lots of questions, and I just think we'd like to just open up to the room. Uh, who is first on our? We've got our roving reporters over there. Are we ready? You were enjoying yourselves, weren't you? You were enjoying yourselves, and uh, here we go. Let's have this
1: gentleman
2: here. Evening, Jonathan. Hi. Hello. Oh. Um, my name's Chris. Um, I'm a
1: big, big, massive Bond fan, so I'm going to ask a question about Elliot Carver in a minute. I just wanted to say, uh, one of the films we didn't see, Ronan. Absolutely loved that film, and you were brilliant in it, so I just wanted to say that. So, uh, so my, did my uh, taxi driver take me to the station <laughs> today, <laughs> he yeah, drove yeah, looking fast. in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you was in that Ronan,
2: were you? <laughs> did he put the foot down? <laughs> yeah.
1: And he, so we talked about Ronan, and then I was late for the train, and I talked to, him, talked to him about how I'd learned to drive at speed from watching The Racing Car Driver, Was driving the car, and then I was late for the train (laughs) and got Marylebone Road turned into Ronin (laughs) with a cab driver weaving in and out and everything, getting me there. We had fun, everyone probably would have done the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, about Elliot Carver, then the sort of question I had was, do you think you were influenced by any of the previous Bond villains, and
2: also um, was it perhaps? your portrayal based on anyone in the real world? I know a lot of people sort of mention
1: certain names in regards to that character, so I was just wondering. Yeah, well, uh, that was the beauty of that original script. Um, The sad thing is not not everything that's in in that script, which was quite uh, pertinent uh, politically, uh, ends up on the screen. I mean, I I, uh, deliver a long speech um, which is, uh, I can't remember any any it now, obviously, but uh, there was a long speech that was very telling, and it was uh, Elliot Carver's big moment. And I thought, oh, this is great. And then I go, I go to see it, and I start the speech, and it cuts to James Bond. <laughs> And he's having a fight around the boat and everything, and they, you can hear me in the background. And I'm going, no, no, Let's listen to this. <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, it was very, um, just as Brazil kind of um, was set, it was like a 1984 film, set in the future, uh, but it, kind of retro future. And it for, you know, everyth- it's, everything that happens with uh, mm-hmm. terrorism now, was dis- discussed in Brazil. And everything that uh, Rupert Murdoch was about, and China, and the, g- the growth of China, the power of China, was, uh, was all in that film. And that's why I think it was a, a, one of the more realistic characters, even though I'm dressed in the traditional James Bond baddie black <laughs> Nehru, Nehru jacket. jacket. I said, really? Do I have to? Oh, yes. So... Um, but it was, um, it was, a lot of fun to make. Did you yeah. know what you were getting into? Sorry?
0: Did you know what you, like, Thank accepting you. a Bond villain? Is that, did you think, okay, this is going to be, this is going to make a, a, a different type of impact, a different sort of uh,
1: No, I didn't really think of it, because, uh, to be honest, and this will never be seen, will it? To be honest, I'm not a uh, Bond fan.
2: <laughs>
1: can I, can I... <laughs> <laughs> now, um, a lot of these major franchises, I've n- like, I've never seen Star Wars, I've never seen any Lord of the Rings, I've never set eyes on a hobbit. Um, and before I started to do uh, Game of Thrones, I'd never watched Game of Thrones like this. But, the, but, they, they, <laughs> but isn't it funny how they... I watch w- it now, yeah. really good now. <laughs>
0: But it matters so much to people. I mean, not another This Is Your Life moment. I didn't text a director. I texted my nephew, my 10-year-old nephew. And uh, I've got... Are the you ba- scraping
1: the barrel? No,
0: I, no. <laughs> I've got some
1: good people in my phone. Yeah.
0: And uh, I, Madonna,
1: he, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, your nephew.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you like this one. I said, yeah. uh, this is the conversation. I said, uh, I said, hello, Max. He said, what do you want, Uncle Cal? Um, there you go. I said, uh, do you know Jonathan Price? And he said, yeah, yeah, he's a Bond baddie in my favourite Bond film. He plays Elliot Carver, probably my favourite Bond villain. favourite part." And then he just goes. My favourite part of the film was at the end of the stealth boat. Love the bit when Elliot Carver skits at Way in and he does a kick. Thinks that's mad. And then he would start a war between Britain and China for the broadcasting rights. Crazy. <laughs> Can you ask him his henchman is called Mr Stamper? Why? <laughs> and is it true that the film is going to be called Tomorrow Never Lies, but there was a misprint to Dies and they stuck with it? Max, Ooh. aged 10. Wow. <laughs> Not bad. Favorite yeah. Bon Villain ever?
1: Yeah, good story. Tomorrow Never Lies, yeah. <laughs> well, never mind about Stamper uh, being called Stamper. The role of the other, the um, techno wizard Gupta, uh, was written. For a young Asian guy, called Gupta, who would be up on, uh, you know, computers and everything, and um, the director wanted to cast Ricky Jay, who's a he's Jewish New Yorker, yeah. uh, magician, and uh, but they never changed the name. So he's still this New York Jewish guy called Gupta. Yeah, and he said, "I said Ricky, why you know, you're playing Gupta?" He said. Oh yeah, yeah. I go up for all the Asian parts. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: but you heard the gasp when you went. You mentioned Game of Thrones. I mean, it's classic actor stuff, isn't it? There's, you know, you don't, you know, there's there's stuff you quite want to do and want to play, but there's necessarily they're not necessarily your taste in what you watch, and that's what's beautiful uh, about, you know, art. But there was a gasp in the audience for Game of Thrones, and I think we should go to a, a Game of Thrones question. I think we've got one over here.
1: After I've apologised to the David <laughs> Bond fan, <so. laughs>
0: Next question,
1: where? Game of Thrones? So oh, here we go. No, no, okay.
0: Good evening, Jonathan, Hi. I'm Louisa. The first time I saw you was in Miss Saigon. And have you ever done it? Have you done any
1: more musicals since oh, yeah. then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miss Saigon was my first uh, musical in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, did it for two years, and then I did Oliver, playing Fagin, and then I did My Fair Lady at the Drury Lane, and on Broadway, I did Miss Saigon, and then I did the musical Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So. Um, Yeah, I think my singing... Well, certainly my dancing days are over. But uh, I I still can burst into song any moment. Okay. (laughs) If pushed. We saw you you doing it in French. Um, Oh, that that, up there, yeah. Up there,
0: yes. Which which I I was surprised. Because you're one of the few British actors I've seen perform... Did you perform that in France, or was it...
1: No, it's 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 just one. He's very Welsh. That's made in the valleys. Oh! Yeah, and uh, he chooses to sing that Charles Trenet song uh, to the delight of the ladies in the church. (coughs) He was a bit of a Romeo, that guy. You look a bit like... um, Pavarotti no. It's mind. been said yeah. <laughs> yeah. when he still played football hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because for a lot of the time I wore a Pavarotti mask yes. and sang like Pavarotti. Yeah.
2: Hi, Jonathan, my name's Charlie. Um, you've been you've had uh, great plaudits over the years for your uh, versatility. I was just wondering if there's any project or character or play or film that you're most proud of.
1: Um, I think of uh, Brazil, I'm especially proud of as a film, um, because it uh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful film. But it also it's timeless, and goes on to find a new audience all the time. Um, and it's I get older, but the audience gets younger, and it's it's really weird <laughs> to think that that this character who's you know skinny with dark hair, it is me, and still goes on to find an audience. Um, I think it's a, it's a great film. It's, very, it's, uh, full of, it's full of everything to do with filmmaking. Um, but there are other films. Um, I like very much a film I make called Carrington, and I played Lytton Strachey. Um, and I'm also enjoying, I'm, I do more smaller independent films, Um, because the scripts are generally good and the characters are really good. And uh, a film I like a lot is a film I made. It was out earlier, it was out last year, I think, uh, called Listen Up, Philip, which is an American independent film uh, shot by, uh, I mean, everyone was young. Jason Schwartzman is uh, in it and Elizabeth Moss and people, the director is 32, something. And even my coming in, I only managed to push the average age up to about 33. <laughs> Think of that. Um,
2: so that, that's a film I like a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Cheers, thank you. Thank you. In the span of your career, you've played a lot of different characters. Now, how do you psych yourself up for each new character? You know, are there like more laid-back characters that you have a more laid-back response to, or do you go into each role in the same way?
1: No, I don't go in the same way. Not. Um, I hopefully find uh, whatever the character demands. Um, so if it is a high-energy character, although yeah. they get fewer and fewer these days, um, or I'll try and make them all a bit slower and calmer. Um, I think it's, uh, that's part of the joy of, of doing what we do, is that uh, each new role presents a new challenge. Um, and it's very important who you're working with, it's very important who the director is, who will encourage you to go one way or the other with the character. Um, and not, again, what I said earlier, not want you to repeat and do, oh, this is, this is what, we know you do this. I mean, what, what the... I used to get lots of requests from directors, and I would charge extra for the eyebrow, <laughs> which is just the... just the this. <laughs> and they'd say, can you, can you do the eyebrow? In this take, so anyway, <laughs> or can you not do the eyebrow because we've all seen it? Thanks. <laughs>
0: was there an, was there particular actors who you felt um, brought the best out in you as a performer?
1: Other actors, yeah,
0: yeah. Which actors have you worked with? that thought.
1: That... Um, <laughs> this is when I say, oh, listen to the other actors. <laughs> um, well, I can. There are companies of actors that I've worked with. Um, I, and, uh, I can't. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what was nice about Brazil. Was the, was the I was there every day for months. And you have, so
0: you have Bob Hoskins coming in, and then, in then these and then, yeah.
1: visiting actors would come and work for a few weeks, and that was great. So it was Michael Palin would come and Bob Hoskins and Jim Broadbent and De Niro, obviously. Um, but uh, and I've had. Yeah, I can think of... I, I, working with Pacino on, um, on uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, those scenes I had with him, I enjoyed a lot. Yes, um, that, he's that very famous sympathetic. Movie. Again, Pacino is he's essentially a theatre man yeah. who happens to do film a lot, but his love is theatre. And, um, and that film was rehearsed for two weeks like a play. Oh. And then shot. Well, that it.
0: scene where he pitches to you in the bar, it's, and he has that very famous monologue about, you know, you cheating on your wife and you're a victim of your own morality. Yeah. And, yeah. and at the end of it, he slides that document over. Yeah. It's, you just think it's it's a it's, if you haven't seen it yet, Glen Gary Glenn Ross. It's a masterclass in yeah, it's in a acting, wonderful film and it's brilliant. And I've
1: done that on sta- I've done it on stage since, but playing the Jack Lemon role. Oh, Shelley Levine. Shelley Levine. Yeah. How was it? It's wonderful, with uh, great actors. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a good company of men. So,
0: w- right so when you get that call for Glengarry Glenn Ross, like I said earlier, this very American
1: role. Well, I was in New York, and I was doing Miss Saigon, up the road. And I was offered another role in that, a larger role. And I said, I can't do it, because right. I'm singing and dancing at night. So the, that role of Link was the one that fitted. It's funny, isn't it? You know, yeah. uh, it? I could still go and do the stage work at night. Um, but it, no, it was, it's the best. Uh, James Foley directed it. And uh, that's the best work he's done. I know. And, uh, and Jack Lemon, extraordinary guy. Yeah. It must
0: have been that moment when you look back, as I suppose when you're in something, it's just happening to you. Yeah. But when you when you when in hindsight you look back and go, so I'm on Broadway and in the day I'm with Pacino and Jacqueline, yeah. and at night I'm performing to two thousand people yeah. on, on Broadway. Yeah, there must be those moments that just
1: sort of. No, it's great. Yeah. yeah, a bit like being here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd met uh, briefly. I'd met Pacino when I was there doing uh, my first play in New York, was, which was Comedians. Oh, great. Amazing. And. Uh, went to watch uh, Lee Strasberg teach and do all that stuff at the studio. And as a visiting actor to New York, uh, I was honored by being invited to join Lee Strasberg at his Friday lunch at Joe Allen's at the round table. And that's when I met Pacino, he was at the table and I was sitting next to Lee Strasberg's wife, Anna. And Strasberg was, I wasn't a fan of him after seeing him teach and seeing his methods he's a pompous. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Fill in the blanks. So uh, at one point his wife turned to me and said, uh, don't you love this man? Don't you love this man? He's a genius. I'm going like, he's all right. And uh, she said, you know that moment in Dark Day Afternoon? The Attica, Attica moment? This is when P- Pacino, yeah. wait, you're yawning. <laughs> and... Um, how old are you? Fourteen, 14 and yawning. That's terrible. So he's he's taunting the crowds outside the bank. Uh, Attica, Attica, Attica. And um, she said that 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 was one of uh, that was one of Lee's exercises. That's the that's the caged animal exercise. <laughs> and I said, Oh great. I said, um, why couldn't you imagine he was outside a bank with 200 people shouting, <laughs> Attica, Attica, at him. <laughs> he never spoke to me again. And that's, I then talked to Pacino about the method and what he, you know, just what he got from it. But he did say that he took what he needed, and when it was useful, he'd use it. The rest of the time, he's a very instinctive mm-hmm. actor. He's a great guy. I, I like him a lot. He's good.
0: Wow, what a privilege! We're an absolute privilege. I mean, there's a, there's a strange gap between, like you oh, say, yawn
1: when he's talking.
0: <laughs> no, will you won't. I think he was uh, breathing in awe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Game of Thrones. Uh, Nobody sleeps <laughs> when I'm on stage.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, you know, you say people say, what do you prefer, and you know, theatre, film, and TV, which is a question actors get asked all the time, um, and but in, Ameri- in, in, in New York, it seems this sort of connected tissue. Like you say, there are people in the theatre working on films, still going to class. And what I love, you know, what is happening right now, which is there's this industry, there's this film industry that, and TV that's happening in Wales mm. where young people are engaging and, um, and the, the, the profession is, is, is giving back and engaging. It's becoming a full circle. So there's, there's real sort of potential hope you know people are looking at careers now that you never thought could happen sort of in wales you know you you know you could become a, a an editor you could become a producer you become you know it's not just i've got to go somewhere what's your what's your sort of take on it uh, on 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 wales's position within the, within the film and television industry and and h- how you perceive it from your end um well it's
1: uh, the south, especially uh, Cardiff area, has become a great uh, production yeah. venue. So there's a lot of product, as it were, coming out of Wales, um, and it's uh, it's being seen as uh, as a, a very valid art form, uh, and, mm-hmm. and you know in education it's becoming more it's becoming it will become part of the syllabus. It should uh, become part of the syllabus. Sorry? It definitely should become part well, of the syllabus. Well, I think syllabus. it is becoming part yeah. of the syllabus, isn't right. it? Yes, yeah. yes. Amazing. And unlike in uh, England, where they, you know, they want to remove the arts from the syllabus, uh, it's lack of importance. And it is important that it's... It's, it's great that it's, it's an after-hours thing, film clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it... it uh, because when I was at school, it was theatre that, you know, um, that you did after hours, um, yeah. out of hours, um, because it was, cinema wasn't, certainly wasn't available. I mean, we had, uh, it was available. There was the Prince of Wales cinema in Hollywood that became the Rialto, where I used to go to the Saturday matinees regularly, um, sit in the back row, <laughs> and watch Flash Gordon and. Uh, the Durango Kid, and uh, it was when it was a time when cigarettes were harmless. They were good for you, and they were actually good yeah. for you, and you could buy, you could buy four at a time. And they were called a pack of dominoes. Huh? So, um, yeah, and you, there was no, you couldn't get ill from them then, no. at all. No, <laughs> so you'd sit in the back row yeah. with your health sticks. <laughs> yeah. And of course, a lot of things happened in the. I remember, you know, lots of um, highlights that marked the passage of being a teenager and a young person. All, to, <laughs> it, all it all took place in the back row of the cinema. Um, anyway, I remember my first date with a girl when I didn't have my own long trousers. Uh, I was 37 at the time, the time. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, and I borrowed my sister's... Well, I certainly didn't have any jeans. And uh, I borrowed my sister's jeans. <laughs> which had a zip up the side. Yeah. Which girls' jeans did then. And, uh, and I had a duffel coat. And I had to sit in the cinema. You were a catch. Well... <laughs> but I couldn't take my duffel coat off. <laughs> Otherwise, she'd have seen the zip up the side. <laughs> Anyway, there you go. You
0: are from North Wales, and we don't take our duffel cuffs, coats off,
1: <laughs> you know, not until no. you're 21, anyway. They said, they have we hood up. <laughs> which <is what laughs> do you now. Anyway, sorry. No, it's beautiful, beautiful. Question. Uh, hello, Jonathan. Hello. Uh, my name's Joshua. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Um, so, what has been your biggest challenge on a film set? Big challenge?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, all, you know, I look on all of it as a challenge. i am never... Um, Complacent when I begin work on something. Um, I, uh, and I think, in a way, that's quite healthy. And I get apprehensive and nervous. Because um, I think this is the one they're going to suss me. Uh, and um, I think that's, yeah. And, and there's been, in the past, there have been like physical challenges and, you know, horse riding and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think I look on it all as a challenge
2: and, and not be too complacent about it, and it's also very exciting to do. have got time for one last question. So I thought, out of your filmography, what film would you recommend that people watch maybe at their film clubs, or even just at home in general? Oh, uh, God, um, let's see, which, which have I got
1: any money involved? <laughs> <laughs> If you watch it, I might recoup something. <laughs> um, I think for... To, I don't know what the, uh, the rating of a lot of strange ratings, but um, I would definitely watch Brazil. Oh, and uh, for sheer fun and visual excitement, uh, Baron Munchausen, another Terry Gilliam film, much underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an extraordinary feet of filmmaking, um, and the other film there uh, was *Regeneration*, which is um, about the First World War and the first person to um, introduce sort of uh, psychotherapy into the treatment of uh, shell shock soldiers. And it's a wonderful film. And it's the tomorrow is the 11th. Um, And when they turned over, the very first uh, take on that film was the opening sequence where dead bodies are in the mud and in the trenches. And they said, action, and um, somebody looked at their watch, and it was 11 o'clock on the 11th day of the 11th month. And it was uh, quite quite a moment. So, um, anyway,
0: it's a brilliant film, and you're yeah. brilliant, in it? Yeah. Uh,
1: William yeah. Rivers, I played, another real person.
0: The we've got a great opportunity. You've got a, you know this is an amazing opportunity, and, and, and young people, you see, there's a there's a hashtag out there, price Q&A. You can engage with the industry from this moment, whether it's online on your phones. You can write letters. You can engage with. The film clubs. Big thank you to all the teachers and the educators for bringing your students here and also sort of turning up and sort of uh, and let's show our appreciation too. You know, we can say what theater, classical theatre star, musical star, film star. He's about to give Tom Hardy a run for his money in uh, a series directed by Christopher Nyhome did The Killing, which is interesting. He's just blowing everybody off the screen in Game of Thrones, and you are one of my acting heroes. But let's show our appreciation for the great, the Welsh, and the very funny and charming Jonathan Price. Thank you. Thank you.